Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, outrunning grief. I could run beyond my fears. And uh, that's how I manage my anxiety. And, it, you know, I would go out for two or three hours at a time. Where I live in New Mexico, it's high mountains um, and remote. So uh, it, in a way, it didn't make sense that I would want to go run alone in the mountains for hours because I was so afraid of dying. But when I was out there, I felt free from my anxiety. And, and that was the impetus to keep going. A father and son marathon. All the years I ran in the Americans, I, I, I did prepare for it. was all just me. I was a, I was a independent. I, I, you know, I didn't want to run with anybody. I, I was just really it was into my thing and my headspace, and that's all of my training and all of those marathons I did was was just me and never ran with a club, never ran with anybody. And then when Neil came along and expressed interest, it was a, it was a big adjustment for me to to train and run with somebody. Never mind my son. <laughs> and so, you know, having said that, and I've said it to Neil, I don't think that I could have done that with anybody but him. And relishing running at the back of the pack. Every time I broke into a run, uh, I'm not a fast runner, but uh, when I did start to run, well, the car had to speed up a bit, so I heard the engine surge a bit, and that kind of made me feel good. Oh, look, I'm moving fast enough that he had to speed up a bit. So that kind of made me want to go a little quicker as well. And I eventually caught up to some of the, um, you know, the, some of the other um, runners that were getting closer to the finish line, and I ended up crossing the finish line with um, a woman, and uh, she, was, she was walking towards the end as well, and I caught up to her, and I asked her, I said, do you feel like running to the finish with me? And she, went, she looked at me, and she looked kind of surprised, and she said, sure. On this edition of I Run Radio, author Katie Arnold, who has a powerful new book about how she ran farther and farther to overcome the loss of her father. We'll talk to a father who just trained for and completed a marathon with his son, and the funny and heartwarming story of a runner who found herself at the back of a 10K race where she was being trailed by a police car. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you on this fine summer weekend? Oh, feeling great. Thank you. Yeah. And how's things been going? Uh, we we check in on this from time to time because, uh, you know, it, it, you go from it, it being very cold to perfect <laughs> running weather to it being too hot very quickly in this country, right? You know, I like the too hot, though. Okay. I just think, give me the heat and uh, I am happy. I mean... On the long run, it gets a little bit tricky not carrying water, but it seems like there's enough public water fountains out there. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm in seventh heaven. I mean, the sport becomes very different to me when the weather's like this. Like, I don't feel in the wintertime, in the cold, I really have to sort of, I mean, it's innate with me now, I, but there's an element of dragging myself out to go do it. Whereas now it's like, you know, sometimes when I have my, my run group meets uh, Wednesday nights and I sometimes have to hold myself back from running earlier in the day, right. you know, it's just yeah. with the weather's out like that, you just want to stay out there and do it. Yeah, I get that. And I, I, I don't mind running in the heat either. I, I enjoy it. Uh, uh, you get soaking wet, of course, uh, from sweating, but, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me that much. Uh, it, used to be, it used to bother me more, but I think now it's... It's less of an issue for some reason, and I don't actually even need to take on that much water. I'm not saying that's for everybody. Everybody's different when it comes to hydration. So yeah. some people, if you know, if you're out for a long run in the heat, you should bring water, or you should s- structure it around 
you know, plan it out around places where you know you can get water. But I haven't seemed yeah. to need that as much lately. I guess maybe I'm just better hydrated generally, or maybe the heat doesn't affect me the way it used to. But uh, I, I I enjoy I And the other thing is, I just like stepping outside and it being warm, you know, just <laughs> feeling too. that in your bones. So. Yeah, I know. I, I feel very, uh, I, I love the idea that I just feel powered by that. I will tell you something. So since we're on a, uh, talking about our running is that I have done my favorite thing once again, and it just remains my favorite thing. I even forgot, but on Canada Day, I went for a run. I did a race with my kids in Burlington, Ontario, and my daughter, who is going to be eight years old, did the 5K, and she went in the corral with the grown-ups and things and without me. And there was 567 runners, and she came in 167th. And this little kid, I mean, I and I put my son on my shoulders, and we went out because I let her go do it by herself. And then I was like, oh, my God, my wife's going to kill me. This is crazy. Like, what's going to happen if she hurts her leg or whatever, you know? But And all I did was embarrass her, and I didn't need to do that, and it was a mistake. I should have just left her alone like my <laughs> five-year-old told me to do. But I tell you, Mark, I tell you, in a life, 45 years walking the earth, there is almost nothing better. She was just out there working, you know, and at the end of a 5K, and, you know, she's a little kid. She doesn't know about pacing herself. And, I mean, she does. We've done it a bunch, but, you know. Yeah, I, we always mess up our, I mean, you don't, I do. I always mess up my pacing. So a little kid with all the adults running like that, I mean, I tell you what, I was sitting there in Canada Day with my son on my shoulders, and I just broke out in tears. It was just, wow. it's just, ah. It's I'm just, not surprised. You know, yeah, there's yeah. there's something great about watching your kids run. First of all, watching any kids run, they, they do yeah. it so joyfully and effortlessly. Yes. Yeah, uh, and and it reignites kind of your connection to that. And when you start running again, and you get over the 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 physical pain of doing it when you first start running as an adult, yes. Uh, yeah. When you get past that, you kind of rediscover that aspect of it that you had when you were a kid. That it was just fun to run, fun to move that fast. But uh. yeah, I, my son has done a five k, and he's done some shorter distances as well, and. And you know for, that's a long way for a kid. That's it is no. That's, that's it a is. long time to be spending doing one thing, yeah. you know, and it, something it, that's not yeah. easy. Yeah. So yeah, hats I off know. to and her. Notion, yeah, and the notion of I mean, because it sort of goes against your natural instinct that when you're tired and when it sort of hurts. I mean, it doesn't hurt. You know, you're just conditioned that like yeah. when something hurts, it's uncomfortable. you cry. You stop when it's uncomfortable. So yeah. to get that concept of pushing through. Uh, you know, it was just it was just a great day. It was just a great day on planet Earth. Good for her. I'm I'm uh, I'm impressed because I think, and as you say, your instinct when you're a kid is to run as hard as you can. So you can't do yeah. that for five kilometers. So to have the yeah. the maturity to pace herself, uh, I think that's great. Good for her. Yeah, it was a Special wonderful moment. day. I tell you, yeah. Anybody listening, anybody's got the opportunity. You have a niece. You have a cousin, whatever it is, and you know you don't have to do 5K by any stretch of the imagination. There's 800 meters. I mean, these sure. are designed. You can walk. You can do whatever you want. But to get them out there and they're outside, and people are cheering. And you know, the one thing that I I should have known and I did know innately is that the kindness of runners. So my daughter was with 570 people, but they were runners. So like, if she had a stitch and if she stopped or something of like course. that. The community, we're just conditioned yeah. like that, you know? Sure thing. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. All right, Ben. 
I hope you have many more moments like that to come with your kids. Thank you so uh, much for this you, week, friend. and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, my friend. Ben Kaplan, IRUN's editor and general manager. Coming up next, author Katie Arnold, whose new book is called Running Home. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Welcome back to I Run Radio. I Run Radio is on the air every Sunday morning on 1310 News in Ottawa. And you can also listen to the podcast and check out past editions of the show at irun.ca. Just click on radio. Author Katie Arnold's new book is called Running Home. It's a memoir about grief and ultra marathons. Katie started taking on longer and longer distances after the loss of her father. Katie, thank you for joining us on I Run Radio. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. And unfortunately, the story that you tell in your your memoir is one that begins with the death of your father. And uh, and just tell me about what was going on at at that time, and and then we can talk about how running in many ways helped you recover from that and and start to to deal with it. Sure. Um, Well, at the time, as I write about in Running Home, my father was diagnosed with kidney cancer, and and this was in 2010, and I had just had um, given birth to my second daughter. Um, I had a toddler at home and a newborn, and my father... um, his diagnosis came, you know, as quite a shock. He was a healthy person in his early 70s. And um, so I began traveling back and forth from my home in Santa Fe to his farm in Virginia to spend time with him um, and to help out as I could. Um, but he was really dying pretty quickly, like as quickly as my baby was growing. My father was declining. And um and so, you know, right away we realized we, we didn't have much time, and um, that's kind of where the book begins, that um, just that grief that precedes a death, that, but you feel it coming and it's building, and it's all mixed up with memories of childhood and, and the emotions that you have for your, for your loved one who's still alive, but you're starting to imagine the future without him. And the two of you were obviously very close, and you shared a passion for being outside, didn't you? Yes, yes. So my father was a photographer for National Geographic um, for his whole career, and so he was. Um, he loved nature and traveling and being on assignment and sort of um, just being very present to his world and and capturing those moments that photographers are so great at seeing when they're happening, and. Um, so he shared that, not only his love for the outdoors um, with me and, you know, took us on many um, trips, hiking and, and uh, biking and river trips. Um, that was a huge gift to me. But he also um, t- really taught me how to see and how to pay attention in life. 
And that um, was so formative for me as a writer. And I, I've, I've been a writer since I was very young, and I always knew I would be a writer. And so my, my father's medium was photographs, and mine was words. But we shared, we had a real kinship about, you know, in the, as far as our creativity went. Now, when you lost your father, it, it sounds as though it, it wasn't just the grief of losing him. It was also uh, the fact that you were forced to con- confront your own mortality and and that that set off kind of a, a bit of a chain reaction for you that, that included uh, throwing yourself into running. Is that is that a fair way to describe it? Yes. Yes. I mean, I was um, the, the grief was obviously a really big big piece of it um and as was you know becoming a new mother for the second time and bringing a new life into the world i think that really forces you to confront your mortality and um, when those two things happen you know in quick succession um that it's a it was a very tumultuous time for me facing my own the fact that you know my father was dying and I think when you're young you know and, and that's what youth is you you can kind of get away thinking that death doesn't happen you know won't happen to you or it happens to other people but when you you know when you go through the illness of a loved one and you realize that it will happen and it's you know it happened to my father and after he died I realized that you know. I would die too, but here I had this brand new baby and I couldn't die, you know, and I had to stay alive for my baby. And, um, and, and it was quite a bit probably of postpartum anxiety all wrapped up in the, in the grief and the mortality, kind of this existential crisis of realizing that I was mortal too. And it was this mashup of emotions that, um, really, you know, manifested most profoundly in me as anxiety. And um, I became afraid that I was dying, too. And and so any little symptom or strange physical sensation I had, you know, I immediately skipped over all the possible, possible things and went right to, you know, I, I have a fatal illness. And that went on for about 18 months. And um, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, so there's lots of alternative healers in, in New Mexico and Santa Fe in particular, and I'm a very open-minded person, and I've tried many of them. Uh, but the thing that works best in, in terms of helping me manage my anxiety was running and being, you know, running for a long period of time outside in, in the wilderness, so in nature. And you started running more and more, right? You you started doing ultra marathons yeah. and, and incredible endurance yeah. tests, right? Yes. So I'd always been a runner, and I started when I was a young girl, right around, I don't think coincidentally, the time that I realized I wanted to be a writer, because for me, running and writing have always been very linked. It's a very symbiotic um, relationship. Running is part of my creative process. So I'd always been a runner, but I didn't um, compete. It was just a a private thing that I did, and it was actually my dad's idea um, that I do my first race, and I write about this in Running Home. And, you know, it was the 70s, and, and this was back before, you know, parents had these grand aspirations for our, for the kids and sort of, you know, threw them into competition. He just suggested that I run a 10K race kind of as a lark, and I took him up on it. And, I, I mean, I think I must have finished dead last that day, and it didn't matter. What mattered was that feeling I had of just satisfaction of having – you know, stuck with it and persevered. 
And um, so, you know, when, after my father died, I, I returned to running. And like I said, I'd always been a runner. And for me running, I, I'm at my happiest as a runner when I'm in the mountains and on trails. So I'm not much of a road runner. Uh, but I felt drawn to the mountains and to covering longer distances on my feet as a way to move beyond that anxiety that my that my mind was whipping up, right? And, you know, if, uh, for many of your listeners, I'm sure, are runners, that you find that state where you move past your thoughts, right? And you're into the rhythm of motion. And it becomes kind of a moving, a waking daydream or a moving meditation. So that's what, it, you know, what running did for me. I could, I could run beyond my fears. And uh, that's how I managed my anxiety. And, it, you know, I would go out for two or three hours at a time and, where I live in New Mexico, it's high mountains um, and remote. So uh, it, in a way, it didn't make sense that I would want to go run alone in the mountains for hours because I was so afraid of dying. But when I was out there, I felt free from my anxiety, and, and that was the impetus to keep going. So what did you get from that, and how did you get to the other side of your grief and anxiety? Well, I just did it literally step by step, right? And that's the beautiful thing of running. Um, I didn't know where I was going, and I never had this plan. You know, I, I didn't ever, it was never premeditated. Like, my father has died, and I'm going to start running long distances to heal myself, and then I'm going to write a book about it. You know, grief doesn't work that way. You're in very much the fog of it for a long time, and and that's not dissimilar to the fog of having a new baby. You know, time moves differently in, in that period, you know, of grief or, or motherhood. And so I didn't see the way forward. I just put one foot in front of the other on a daily basis. And that was going out for a run. And, and it, it was, you know, at least 18 months before I signed up for my first ultra. And um, even then... I didn't see the full trajectory in front of me. I just wanted to see what my body was capable of and what my mind was capable of. Um, and so I, I, it was a very organic process. And, and that's really who I am as an athlete. You know, I don't, um, I, I'm, I'm very low data and I don't do Strava. And, I, you know, I, I only keep a loose idea of my weekly miles. So it was very, it was coming from the inside of me as this intuitive feeling, this instinct, really, that running would heal me. And it, and it did. And looking back on that now, uh, what do you feel you learned from, from testing your limits in that way and at that time? I think the biggest thing I learned is listen to that to that intuitive voice inside. Listen to your instincts, even if it doesn't make sense. Again, on the surface, it really didn't make sense that I would want to go out alone in, in quite remote environments. Um, but it, it, the voice inside was saying, "This is what feels good. This, you know, do this." And and so I really learned to listen. And I think many of us become disconnected from our intuitive voice, our intuition, because our culture, you know, will be just assaulted with information on our screens and deadlines and, and you know, everything is so very goal-oriented. And so when you tune into that voice inside, it's not about getting to the finish line. It's not about getting there, right? There is no there there. The only there is right in front of you, this step and then the next. And so it did become this mindfulness practice. Um where and I think that serves me best as a runner and as a an elite athlete. You know, I've gone on to become very successful at long distances, 
Um, I won the Leadville 100 last year. And that training was, it was, I never looked ahead and said, I'm going to win Leadville, right? I just made the best effort I could every day in my training. And um, it led me to incredible places that I probably couldn't have imagined if, you know, if I tried. And so, you know, listening to that instinct and also just letting the process be the most valuable you know, teacher there rather than just focusing on the result you want. I think if you only focus on the result, you miss a lot of, you know, beautiful things and, the, and some of the magic along the way, you know, if you're just driving toward that one goal. Well, it's a very powerful story, and uh, we've only told just a little bit of it. Uh, uh, Katie, <laughs> I, I really appreciate you joining us today, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm amazed at what you've been able to do as a runner and, and how you've been able to, to share that story. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. That's author Katie Arnold. Her new book is called Running Home. Coming up next, a father and son train for and run a marathon together. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton August 17th and 18th and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Mark Hansen is a runner and an executive with Mizuno Canada. Mark has completed many races on his own, including the Boston Marathon. But more recently, he started training with his son. Mark, it's great to talk to you again. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having me. So tell me how you ended up running with your son in these events, because uh, it's one thing for us to be running our own, and, and uh, another thing when we start to inspire a younger person to be doing it. So tell me how this all came about. Well, Mark, yes, it was sort of a progression over the years. I came into the, uh, into the running community myself quite late in life, and, uh, and so... As, a, as an adult and having two young boys, they sort of were um, privy a little bit just to watching dad do his thing and go out and train um, over the years. And really, for me, when I did my first half marathon, even Neil was probably 14 or 15 years old. And from there, when I went on to, to do marathons, and that became part of my lifestyle, he was he, he experienced it. He was around it. He was with me in Boston for a couple of those races. He uh, was always seemed to be around the finish line at other various races through, through the year. So he was aware of it. And I think that when he kind of got into his early twenties, um, it kind of his interest peaked. And one day it was dad, what if, you know, how about if we run a half marathon together? Okay. And, and, and really it, it, it sort of went from there. You know, he learned a lot. We learned a lot running together, a little bit, and then as time progressed, and I'm going to say a year went by, he expressed uh, an interest in saying, you know, do you think I could run a marathon? And I said, Neil, you know, if you put your mind to it and we train and we do all the things right, I know you can run a marathon. So and when, that sort of was the informal invite to let's go. Yeah. So what was it like training with your son? This is not something you necessarily imagine doing. When we start out as runners, it's it's kind of an individual pursuit, or we might be doing it with a friend, a running group, a peer. But 
you don't necessarily expect to be doing it with one of your kids. So what was that experience like? Well, I'll tell you, Mark, too, it was twofold. A, I was a lone, a lone horse runner. And all the, all the years I ran in the marathons, I, I, I did prepare for it. was all just me. I was a, I was a independent. I, I, you know, I didn't want to run with anybody. I, I was just really, it was into my thing and my headspace. And that's all of my training and all of those marathons I did was, was just me. And never ran with a club, never ran with anybody. And then when Neil came along and expressed interest, it was a, it was a big adjustment for me to, to train and run with somebody, never mind my son. <laughs> and so, you know, having said that, and I've said it to Neil, I don't think that I could have done that with anybody but him, as it turns out. And I look in retrospect of us training together and, and the miles that we put in. And I just, it just, you know, that's my sort of, it's my personality as a runner. And But he fit in and we adapted really fast and really well together. Um, and Mia is a bit of the mentor and him obviously soaking in anything that he could learn to try to get ready, especially for the first marathon, because the two marathons we've done, Mark, were very, very different, both in the preparation and in the result. Okay. So Um, let's, let's talk about the first one then. Tell me about that one. Well, the first one was very much, um, getting him the confidence and the mileage in because at that point he'd only run up to a half. And so when we got into those longer, you know, that middle of that, those training schedules, when you're up into those 18, 19, 20 mile weekends, uh, that was, that was really new to him. And he had to, he had to kind of figure out how that was going to work. And the biggest difference is we were doing it at my pace, which was not a really fast pace at, you know, at that point in time. So anyways, come race day, um, yeah, it, we kind of got out, and again, I kept the pace. We ran really well on kind of on the pace that I thought, and go and behold, he goes and cramps up at about 36K, I mean, really bad. Oh, no. And so, yeah, we had to do the walk and run, the walk and run really the last five, six Ks, and I felt so bad for him. And I tell you, we got across the finish line. It was still under four. And uh, so, you know, very proud and, you know, all of those and, you know, lots of pain for him. But that, so it took a little, it took a couple of months for him, I think, to kind of get his head back around. And then, you know, time went by uh, before I even brought up the suggestion of, do you want to run another one? So that was sort of, that was sort of the experience of the first one. Yeah. So let's move on to the second one now, which is the Vancouver Marathon. Beautiful event. What was that experience like, especially compared to the first one? Mark, it was completely different, and, and the whole training process was different because Neil was a year wiser. Uh, he was in better shape, and he was more committed. And so our training runs this time around uh, for the Vancouver run, it was much quicker. And I was at the point where you know a lot of our, especially longer runs, I was behind him all day. Um, you know, if he, he's you know he's he's thirty years younger than I am, and um, uh, and so he he was getting he's getting into much better form, becoming a much better runner. And a lot of those, a lot of those long runs we did, um, I had a heck of a tough time at the pace that he was running at. And it kind of got to the point, Mark, in my mind, where I was going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can run, you know, a 42K race at this pace. Because we were kind of running in that, you know, just over five minute K type like it was, and we're on Strava with cousins and you know nieces and his mm-hmm. you know his cousins and things and they were popping back well what are you guys doing you're killing like what's going on and um, so anyways he, we kind of kept that pace mark until race up until race time 
and uh, flew out to Vancouver, and I was honestly, without saying anything to him, I was worried about it. Me, not him. And um, and sure enough, you know, out of the gate in Vancouver, the start is very downhill. It's very fast, especially the first half of that course. And um, so sure enough, he gets out of the gate, and I just stayed back, you know, probably 50, 60 you know, meters from a, most of the first half of the race. He'd look back every once in a while, but our pace was fast. And I was just saying to myself, oh, my gosh, when we get up to, you know, 25, 30, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to tank here. But you know what? As it turned out, we both were just, we both just had a great day. Uh, the course was in great shape. It was a beautiful day, not a lot of wind. Um, and we finished strong. Um, I kind of caught up to him around 35, 36. Okay, and he was running out of gas. And I know that he had in the back of his mind the year before when he cramped up. And kind of when I got to his shoulder, finally, about 35K, he kind of turned and said, do you mind taking the lead a little bit? And I said, leave it with me. <laughs> so it was kind of fun, Mark. So I kind of took us up from 37K to, you know, just past 40 up to that 41 marker. And you start to get into the crowds in the finish line along Pender Street or whatever street it is there in Vancouver. And uh, we kind of finished together really strong, I think, at 323. Or like It was a really, really wow. quick pace. Yeah. For, Good for you. Uh, for what we were doing. So it was, well, it was actually ended up being my second fastest marathon out of all of them, if you can believe that. Good for you. And so, and so he was really, really pleased. And of course I was, I was proud as punch and, uh, and then recovery time and all those things was, you know, was, was still, was reasonable. And so we, you know, I think I just, I just think we had trained, even though it was a very quick pace that we trained at, it certainly paid off in spades, um, come, come race day in Vancouver. So it was quite the experience. It was, it was fun. So what does it mean to you to be able to run a marathon with your son? You know, it di- it didn't really register until after we had accomplished what we did in Vancouver, uh, Mark, and uh, and just it, it kind of I kind of re- reflected back on all of the training that we did, the time together that we spent, the stories that we talked to that we talked about, uh, just the conversations of you know of all that time of pounding the pavement and. Uh, it was it was invaluable to me. It, it really was, and um, you know, and, and the fact that Neil is now he's very interested in running. He wants to do another marathon. He's starting to talk. He, he said to me, he said, Dad, he's very aware, Mark, of what time he has to run to qualify for Boston. So he said, Do you ever think that we could run Boston together? And I said, Neil. I said, well, if we are, can you please hurry up? Because <laughs> I don't know how much longer I have these 325 and 330 type of times in me. So, but he appreciates, and I think the biggest uh, the biggest note to sell for him was after running a you know a 323 Vancouver, he has to run a three hour marathon at his age group to qualify for Boston. So he appreciates what he's going to have to do, you know. In this next training spell, if he, you know, and I, you know, to be able to shave off another twenty minutes of, yeah. a, of a, a, a marathon, I doubt it. But he, now he knows what's in front of him. If he wants to work towards that over the next couple of years, and I hope he does. And, and, and to me, it's it's put a it's put a uh, it's put a um, some thoughts into his head about about what he wants to do and how and and what he wants to be. And I think that running and marathoning and being fit and, and that that task and that goal of going out to achieve it. And, and he understands the work it takes that to me was the, the biggest really, you know, satisfying thing for me in the whole thing. Right Plus on. the time that we got, that we got to spend together and, yeah. 
and uh, and travel and it was really just it was just a really good experience uh, right from the get-go so i'm hoping that we can do it again right on i hope so too but if he's going for three hours it might be a little tougher for you to keep up for, keep up with him in the future well you know yeah. Mark, and i've thought of that and though know, i'm thinking the way if that ever happened would be yeah we would have to get to a point where in a training room i'm gonna have to say neil you go yeah you know and i'll I'll be behind you, but you, you know, you have to, if this is what you're trying to do, yeah. but boy, I'm not saying we could ever do it, but that would sure would be a feather in a cap to be able to do something like qualify for yeah. a, uh, be for great. a boss and, and run it with them. That would be, and I told them I'm not going again without you. So, um, uh, not to put pressure on the young yeah. fella, but, um, but nice. I know that that's something that he's got in the back of his mind. Right on. Great story, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Mark, my pleasure, and again, thanks for having me, and uh, and anytime. That's Mark Hansen, a runner and an executive with Mizuno Canada. Coming up next, the joy of discovering that you're running at the back of the pack. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids Event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Joanne Kenny reached out to us with her story. From the Canada Day races in the Ottawa area, she ran the 10K and discovered she was at the back of the pack. And her reaction to that was both funny and heartwarming. Joanne, thank you for joining us on iRun Radio. Oh, it's my pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your running background, how you got into running, and how you ended up doing the Canada Day Road Race in Canada, in the west end of Ottawa. I started running, I would say, probably around 2012, um, I had been diagnosed with Crohn's in 2009, and I was quite sick for a while, and then I had surgery, um, which helped me feel worlds better. I started to have energy again, and I just really wanted to honor my health um, and to choose um, activities that, that would honor my health. What I decided was um, not to be competitive, but to just whatever I felt like um, doing and whatever health state I was in, I would just go for it. So if it meant signing up for a 5K, I would try to train up for it um, and then just do do what I could, um, you know, depending on how I felt that day. And that's kind of how it all started. I think probably one of the first races I ever signed up for was the um, Army Run, uh, the 5K. Um, and then, and like, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even really understand that you could sign up for races. Like that was, that whole concept was new to me. <laughs> and I found it so exciting to be around all these people and all their colorful spandex <laughs> and their <laughs> smiles and their energy. And it was just so contagious. I just wanted to be a part of that scene. Um, and so I just kept, you know, I kept signing up for things. And I, I found that when I signed up for things that motivated me to, be active and to, you know, try to get myself uh, in a healthy state to participate, basically. All right. Very well said. And I, I, I love the way you put it in the sense that it, it sounds like this with lots of energy and enthusiasm, but also with a mentality like you had nothing to lose, right? Every every experience was 
was going to be a good one as long as you put something into it, right? Exactly. As long as I got to the start line, um, that was the most important thing to me. If I ever doubted myself that I would get to the start line, I would start to actually get really sad, you know? It was just so important to me to to show up. Yeah. Just to get there. And, (laughs) and, you know, getting to the start line is 90% of it, maybe even more sometimes, right? I agree, because it's it's all mental. It means you've given yourself permission to experience it. Yeah. So tell me about the Canada Day road race, uh, because uh, as you tell the story, you shared a, a very uh, amusing and inspiring email with us. Uh, you... <laughs> Uh, you know, you weren't you weren't at the front of the pack in this race. Let's put it that way. No, nope. <laughs> I wasn't. Actually, I've I've not been doing a lot of training um, for this 10k. I mean, a 5k is about the most I I've been doing since the um, Ottawa race weekend. I did a half marathon for that, but then since then I haven't been running a lot. So I thought that's okay. I'm still going to show up. It's a fun day. Um, I, I'm going to be around a lot of great people. And if I walk it, I'll walk it. But some of these smaller community races, the people that show up seem to be really keen people. <laughs> and there weren't very many walkers. It was kind of just me, it seemed, and maybe one or two others. So I started um, walking, and then I, I realized, okay, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be holding up the start of the, the Tiny Tots race because my understanding was that they were going to start that race. Um, at 9.30 um, as when the 10K runners came to the finish line. So I had a responsibility to be there in an hour and a half. <laughs> and I didn't think I was going to do that walking. So then I said, okay, so let's run walk. And then at about 5K, there was I heard a vehicle behind me moving very, very slowly. <laughs> and I turned around and I realized, okay, it's the city police. It's a sweep car. This is getting serious. <laughs> I really have to start moving a little bit faster. And at first, my mindset was, oh, the next 5K is just going to be soul-crushing, knowing that I'm the last person, like, they're waiting on me, you know, the water stations aren't going to shut down until I go through. This police car makes this so real. <laughs> you know, and they're doing a service for the community, for the race, you yeah. know, they're protecting, they're protecting me, they're, they're making sure that the roads are safe, and I'm tying him up, so that's what I'm thinking as well. But it's a very visible symbol of all of that, right? Like it's, you know, you could be out there running and not have to confront the fact that you're in last place and that and that everybody's waiting for you to finish. But exactly. but there's actually this this symbol there that's right behind you making sure you know it in a way, right? Exactly. It's audible, it's visible because <laughs> he's got his light on so you can catch the flash of the light. Sure. Um so at first again like I thought, oh this is like so embarrassing, but then I thought, okay, no, I'm I'm going to make the best of this. And when I hit an aid station or a water station, I you know I kind of like theatrically said to the the kids there that were volunteering, um, is he still behind me? You know, and they just started <laughs> laughing like, yes, you know, he's still behind you. Don't turn around. You know, they played along with it, and and that kind of buoyed me a bit too, and made me feel a little bit better and. I just kind of went with that, and every time I broke into a run, uh, I'm not a fast runner, but uh, when I did start to run, well, the car had to speed up a bit, so I heard the engine surge a bit, and that kind of made me feel good. Oh, look, I'm moving fast enough that he had to speed up a bit. So that kind of made me want to go a little quicker as well. And I eventually caught up to some of the, um, you know, the some of the other um, 
runners that were getting closer to the finish line, and I ended up crossing the finish line with um, a woman, and uh, she was she was walking towards the end as well. And I caught up to her and I asked her. I said, "Do you feel like running to the finish with me?" And she went, she looked at me and she looked kind of surprised and she said, "Sure." So we probably had about 150 meters, and we you know we ran it in fairly quickly because we were both kind of excited to to be running together and. And it was a really fun finish, so it ended up very positive. Wow. And I got there in an hour and a half for the Tiny Tots to start their race. <laughs> okay, so you ticked all the boxes. Exactly. And uh, did, it, did it feel at times, I mean, in a comic way, sort of like a really slow-speed police chase and you, that you were at the front of? <laughs> exactly. A very polite Canadian <laughs> police chase where yeah. he just you know, didn't want to nab me, necessarily. Yeah. So tell me more about (laughs) crossing the finish line with this other runner. Oh, it was amazing. Um, It was another woman, um, yeah, and she she just kind of, like, a smile lit up on her face when I, you know, asked her if she felt like running in with me. She looked kind of like, well, I hadn't thought about that. Like, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know if I really feel like it, but okay. And we just kind of both took off and... One of the nice things about crossing the finish line towards the end is that everybody's so happy to see you <laughs> because it means they can, you know, start either wrapping things up or continue with the next stage of the race. And everyone is so friendly and they're cheering. You really feel like you've made, <laughs> you know, something really special happen for yourself. Yeah. And, and I mean, it is, the, the and I've talked to other runners who have finished last in, in events and and uh, they get uh, probably as much fanfare, almost as much fanfare, as the people at the front of the pack, because it's it's uh, it's closing out the the event, right? It's the, it's wrapping exactly. things up. So uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think they they understand, they recognize that you maybe you struggled. You know, they don't they don't know your story. They don't know what brought you there that day. But you know, they they. I don't know. I feel like they they make a connection with you and they understand and they just really yeah. boo you on. So, what has running and these experiences like this? What has all of that come to mean for you? Um for me again, it's um every time I register for a race, it's like I've made a promise to myself to to attain a goal. Um it's that carrot dangled in front of me, whether it's um you know, an obstacle course race or a triathlon, um, it just means that I have set a goal for myself. I've made a promise to future me, and, I, and now I need to take the steps to uh, to be able to accomplish it. And I, I just, I really feel that for me, that's what works best. I have a lot of fun with activity. I, um, you know, I, I again, I'm not competitive. I'm not the fastest person. There, are, there have been times, you know, in the last eight years or so when, when I have been fast, you know, a faster runner, for example, but I haven't always been. And so I just accept my health on the day that I'm, you know, ready to, to do the race. And I just accept it for what it is and, and really look around me and look at all the people that also showed up. And I, I imagine their stories and what brought them here. And it's wow. really inspiring. Yeah. Well, your story is very inspiring, Joanne, and uh, and very powerful, and also uh, kind of amusing as well. The, the way you uh, the way you chose to look at the situation you found yourself in at the back of the pack it's uh, it's a great story to share. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing my story. I really appreciate it. That's Joanne Kenny of Ottawa.
And that is it for this edition of I Run Radio. I hope you can join us next week. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>